Now, I was educated on Coruscant. Not that that makes me better than anyone else. Welcome in to the Bro Force Squad podcast, where we are just a bunch of bros drinking beer and watching TV and movies. This is episode 174. Thank you so much for checking us out. I am your host, the Mayor Jeff Hornacek. And before we get into it with the movie and TV discussion tonight, we must introduce my co-host, the mad scientist, Brian Banner. Now, Banner, what are your thoughts on all the spice being smuggled through Tatooine? I mean, we should just legalize it, right? I mean, I think, look, I've, I've been in this camp for a really long time. I think that, yes, you should legalize it because you can tax it and then make more profit off of it. And isn't that better than just, like, blood money? Yeah, I mean, the government should want a hand in it, right? This, look, the spice trade isn't going to stop. No, you know? it's, yeah, look, just embrace it. Just embrace it. You got to steer into the, into the slide, right? Isn't that what they tell you? I think so. Someone says that, probably. Someone. All right, well, uh, we actually have a bit of a unique episode tonight. If you've not listened to our show before, we start every episode off with the most important thing in any bro's life, and that is chest day. And I believe this is the first, the book of Boba Fett is what we're talking about today, but this is probably the first Star Wars thing, sans uh, the animated series, that we have not done week-to-week reviews on. Like Mandalorian, and then obviously all the movies whenever they come out, right? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think that's right. It was a little different on our part, but with this dropping, you know, right at the the first of the year with travel and everybody kind of getting getting back into the swing of thing things after the holidays, it just didn't didn't really work out. Yeah, and I think um, it was something we were watching. Obviously, every single week, you, Nate Thurman, who uh, sent us his thoughts today, which we'll read on Pod and myself, but. Again, it was one of those things where, like, when it dropped on Wednesday, whether it was our schedules or, I guess, occasionally varying interest, we were it was not like something we were able to watch the day that it dropped, which is kind of annoying on Twitter these days because the second a show has been out for 14 minutes, people feel that they are entitled to spoil everything online, which is kind of frustrating. Well, yeah, you don't you don't stay up to watch a B minus TV show and watch it at midnight when it drops. No, it's. And I think B minus is actually like giving it more credit than it deserves, but we'll get into that. Yeah, we'll get into that. So Brian, Nate Thurman, and myself all watched the Book of Boba Fett. So our chess day today will be—I don't want to call it a review because the series is over—but our reaction or our thoughts on the Book of Boba Fett and then the a little recap, maybe. Yeah, we'd call it that. I think of the episode I'm going to title it "Reaction," but. It's our show. We can do whatever the fuck we want. Absolutely. Uh, But we are still going to use the four Bro 4 Squad criteria that we use to analyze all of our TV shows. And that is the acting, the story. Typically, we say our favorite scene. But since this is looking at the season as a whole, we'll say scene, episode, moment. You can pick any one of those. And then the last one is theories and questions going forward or really anything that you can't squeeze into those other three categories. So, Brian, Book of Boba Fett, all seven episodes concluded. I believe as this drops, it'll be the day after the final episode uh, was released on Disney+. Plus. The acting and cast, this is something that I will just personally say, and you can disagree. I think this show of anything Star Wars I've ever seen probably had the least memorable performances of anything. What do you think? Yes, but I think that's a good thing. 
I don't think everybody did their job. Everybody stayed in their lane. Nobody tried to do more or less than what they were asked or they should have done. Uh, I will say the the cyborg biker gang people, uh, when they were first introduced, I was like, I'm fucking out on this show. They just, <laughs> I didn't like them at all. I didn't like the characters. I didn't like the way they were being played. When I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And they were, they did what they had to do in that episode to set up the finale for their characters. I, you can't really call it an arc because they're just like little pawns, but right. I enjoyed the way that they, they kind of came around and came full circle and, and all of that. They're, they were the only ones that stuck out even a, a little bit to me. I agree. And I think th- this show, um, We'll get into it in a little bit, but it's it's not a hot internet take to say that Boba Fett really, after the first two and a half episodes, was not the focal point of it, which I actually think ended up working in its favor. And to your point, I think because of that, Tamira Morrison, who played Boba Fett, I think is perfectly cast in this role, but even being the titular and the lead character, quote unquote, of the show he actually did a really good job of not changing the way he plays the character. Like he's like a role player who, okay, some guys are injured in the starting lineup, but he's like, I'm still not going to take 25 shots, you know? Yeah. Like that's not what I do. And he still played Boba very serene, very composed, very controlled, sometimes almost frustratingly. So you're like, dude, this show is, kind of trudging along because you're just not doing anything outside of like what we've typically seen Boba Fett do. Uh, and I think the show did its best at least early on to just write Boba into scenarios where hit like, I don't know if it's because they thought Tamir Morrison just couldn't carry the load, but he does not have a lot of dialogue in this, or at least has to emote a lot. And I think that took me a while to get used to just from him being the main character of the show to see that being like the main thing we're seeing on screen. Right. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I think, it's hard to say because we don't know anything about Boba Fett, right? We don't know if that's how he is or a product of how he grew up or, or anything like that. Um, and I I was going to save this for later on, but I'll go ahead and say it now. This show should not have been called just The Book of Boba Fett. This should have been The Mandalorian colon Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Because this, this is The Mandalorian season 2.5. Mm-hmm. We just didn't realize that until four or five episodes in. Um, and like you said, I think that helped it in the long run. Uh, but if you're going into it expecting all this this pizza in the box on Boba Fett, you're not gonna you're not gonna find it. Now Ming Na Wen as Fennec Shan, we're all big fans love, of love her. We love Agents of Shield. But again, she punches at her weight and knows her capabilities and limitations. Mm-hmm. And I think as a result, when you get her and and Tamira Morrison together on screen, they're both just like really good uh, ancillary characters and really not built. And I don't mean this as an indictment. It's going to sound like it. But they're not built to carry the load of, of a show, basically. Yeah. Like the first two episodes where I guess Fennec doesn't really come in until... Well, I guess she's in them, but it's a lot of like Boba flashbacks. But yeah. like she should not, her and Tamir Morrison should not have eighty percent of the screen time in anything. No, and and they didn't here. And I, again, I think that was 
good in kind of like a backdoor cover way. One uh, performance I do want to mention, um, David Pasquisi as Mock Shayes, who's like the secretary for the the mayor. So, so fucking funny. He was the guy who was just an absolute scene stealer for me. So he's a little sniveling shithead who's going to say whatever he can to appease or get on the good side of whoever he's talking to. And he never actually says like what he means. I just thought he was written perfectly. And just the way he was like squirmy and just so fucking annoying. I just loved like every time he was on screen, I was like, let him talk more. He was. Uh, Somebody else that didn't annoy me nearly as much as they have in the past was, uh, Amy Sedaris, and Sedaris? that's who plays Sedaris. Yeah. Yes, who plays uh, Peely. I actually, I actually liked her. I thought she was funny. She's really growing on me. Yeah, as a character, I wouldn't mind seeing her a couple, couple more times. I think she is growing on me a little bit. I don't. I won't go as far as to say I liked her. You know, I was very outspoken about how much I yes. disliked her in Mandalorian. Uh, but her rapport with the pit droids is actually is kind of like. It's it's working a little bit. Like comedically, it played better than I it did the last time, and maybe it's just because I fucking love pit droids too. Like those guys are hilarious. They are. They they're they are the jesters of the droid world. Give me like a a Pixar short on the pit droids. God, why would you? Why why do you guys do this? You guys put these things in my head that I can't get out, <laughs> and then I get upset when I never get them. Yeah, that would be really funny. Uh, one other, there was a couple like. Nice cameos in the show. Obviously, we get like Mando and and Cobb Vanth and all those guys and Cad Bane, who we'll talk about here in a second. But Stephen Root, who played Lorth Appeal on that one episode, the guy who's like hoarding the water, the episode that we introduced, like the teen biker gang. Yeah, I thought he was pretty good. I mean, he didn't his character didn't really mean much except to serve as a vehicle to introduce Mando to some uh, extra hands for his operation. But uh, it's always cool to see him and stuff, and he always is, gives an interesting performance. I think. Yeah, like I said, I think every everybody top to bottom, nobody fucked up, nobody did anything bad. Everything was just perfectly par down the core. I mean, just perfectly straight down the down the course. That's how you want it. Yep. All right, anything else you want to move on to the story? Let's move on to the story. All right, so again, there are a lot of internet takes out there that are kind of the same, and we're not going to sit here and parrot all of the stuff you've already heard where it's, Oh, it shouldn't have been called Book of Boba Fett, and it fucking turns into the Mandalorian. And I do have some thoughts on that, but I will say this first off: the first three episodes to me should have been like a Disney Plus exclusive movie. I think that would have worked better, and then we could have tied in either the rest in Mandalorian season three, or maybe just done like a short—I don't know—they could have done like a connect, like a part tissue. two, exactly. Because yeah. the first episodes, like, really don't serve narratively for this. Like, they're great Boba Fett backstory, and I guess they kind of set up the Pike Syndicate. But you could just open with Boba Fett, like, taking over the Palace of Jabba and having to deal with the different crime families on Tatooine. Like, we don't need all that backstory with the Sand People to understand or to hate the Pike Syndicate, really. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. Now, I loved everything with Boba Fett at the Sand People and... Really, really showing us the true side of sand people. You know, they've just been these like ravaging savages uh, for what, 40, 50 years. 
Well, now we've we've learned through second season of Mandalorian and now this that they are they are a true culture, a true tribe, and very interesting people. And then for them to accept Boba Fett into their 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 tribe and teach him their ways and everything, I all of that worked so well. Everything with him dealing with the the crime families and all of that, I could kind of care less, honestly. See, it's weird because I'm sort of the opposite. Like the like Godfather type story that they gave us with him, I was more interested in. But Nate Thurman, actually, to start reading some of his thoughts, he actually agrees with you. He said, the Tusken Raider development and humanization was refreshing. And then it all comes full circle. He said, cool nod at the end with to the Tuskens with Boba's kill of Cad Bane, which that actually was kind of cool when his helmet yeah. came off and he sort yeah. of like focused again. Um, but yeah, I thought that the Tuscan stuff outside of the train heist, which I'll get to in a second, God, I, yeah. to me, it was all just like kind of methodical and like it was a little bit dances with wolves. And I was just like, I don't know. I, I kind of want to get back to the crime, uh, the, the power vacuum on Tatooine after Jabba died. To me, that was the more interesting story. Yeah, I think uh, it just wasn't executed real well for me as far as him taking power and over the territory and all of that. Um, but also like for him to even get there and for us to even see him, we have to learn how he got out of the Sarlacc pit. Yeah. Which, it was kind of cheap. Either you buy it or you don't. But the fact that he was stranded in the, in the desert after going through all of that was, was really, really cool. Well, you know, now that I think about it, your point actually makes more sense because the line Cad Bane has to Boba in the end where he says like, what turned you so soft? Like his humanization and like the reason why he feels like he has to fight for the people of Mos Espa is all kind of rooted in his relationship with the Tusken Raiders. Yeah. So I guess if we don't get that, we would just be like, why the fuck is this bounty hunter like all of a sudden working for St. Jude's Children's Hospital? Like it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's a tax write-off, but whatever. Well, yeah, that's come on. That's not why he does it. Jesus. Uh, I yeah, I think. I I was I entertained the entire time. I would say ninety percent of the time I was entertained. There were some times throughout the some of the episodes I was just like, okay, let's keep moving. This is kind of boring. This show was really really clearly divided into two sections you have and you can even call it three really three you have boba fett and the sand people as one you have mm -hmm. story two is him taking over his daimo of the territory uh most espa and then you have everything with with mando i would have liked to not seen the mando stuff seeing mando fight that's cool i'm good with that Everything with him going to Guadalajara, who the hell cares with where Luke was and yeah, and all of that. I I I don't think that again. It was cool. It was interesting. I just think it did more harm than it did good. So I do want to pick pick up on that before we go to best scene or moment. But first, let me read one more thing Nate said, kind of tying into the end of the series. Um, he said, disappointed Cad Bane died after such a short time of live action, which I totally agree with that dude. I could yeah. not have gotten enough of him. Still potential for untold stories on the timeline for him to show up again, such as Obi-Wan and or Ahsoka. Not sure of the time period. Yes. And I think if they listen to fan reaction, which Filoni and Favreau have proven they do, we're going to get more of him. So yeah, glad to see him. I think the translation and 
again, I'm only two seasons through Clone Wars, but the the depiction of him in live action, I think, was true to the visualization of the character and just fucking like him on Tatooine. He's like built for that Western aesthetic, too. Yeah. And he is the quintessential outlaw, mm-hmm. like bounty hunter, like in it for himself out to get all the money and and you'll learn that the more you watch uh clone wars but he is a very 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 just fucking cool character yeah um and then one more thing i have to say before we move on to scene episode moment unless you have anything else obviously you want to add on story and i was going to save this for the end but i think it fits in now and i'm about to talk out of both sides of my mouth because i did love these parts of the show but based on what happens with Grogu, Luke, and Mando. What really was the point of the season two Mandalorian finale? Luke flying in, saving everyone's ass, taking Grogu to his planet, and then seemingly two weeks later, he basically returns him on Amazon. Like I mean, it didn't fit. Right, the impact of all of that now feels destroyed. Like, it's cool that Luke showed up, but Grogu just returns to Mando two weeks later. Like, I don't really... Yeah. Why did we do that? I don't. I I, I agree with you on that. Um, I know Thurman. I had a, a brief phone conversation with her earlier. He does not necessarily agree with that. He thinks that it shows how. And I can't argue with him because he's not wrong. I just I just don't like his point of view on it. Uh, that Grogu picking the chainmail so quickly and him going back to Mando is shows how strong their bond is and no, it I, shows that they're and again and i again i i agree with that i just well is now a good time to say how i would have done it or what sure. i think they should have done or should we save that for theories oh yeah the, the theory that you sent me in video format save that for the end because i think that okay we'll save we'll save that for the end then but i agree wholeheartedly with what nate said i do think though that strengthening their relationship is mutually exclusive from the way that they ended season two because like the whole emotion of them being torn apart and really the dramatics of luke skywalker showing up uh it it almost felt like a sweeps week play now where like some celebrity guest star comes in to get ratings up for a show and then uh it's kind of just like trivialized the next week so i'm saying all this talking out of both sides of my ass because my favorite scene and moment are you ready to move on to that yeah, let's do it. Okay. Is basically all of episode six. When we got Ahsoka, when we got, when we got Luke, when we got so Grogu. So the fact that they all came back for this, uh, I just thought was really fucking cool. And I was very surprised by it. And I actually kind of liked how it didn't have to be some crazy dramatic moment. It's just getting to spend time with them on that yeah. planet. Um, which I wanted more of. And I think the reason I enjoyed it so much at the time was I didn't realize... That at the end of the season, or I guess the series of Boba Fett, we were basically going to separate Luke and Grogu. Um, but that moment in and of itself, them on the planet and Luke starting to build the Jedi Academy, was probably one of my favorite parts of the, the seeing entire- seeing the Jedi Academy being built, and then going back and thinking about seeing that on fire and being destroyed was kind of cool. That we've seen both sides of it. I I would like maybe. Maybe animated format would, wouldn't be bad for this, but Luke training uh, at the Academy. Oh, yeah. I think I'm think i sure if we haven't already, we'll get some comics. Yeah, I'm sure. That as well. 
Um, one other thing that I really liked, and then I have one small one that I'll finish this category with, was the train heist in episode two. Um, really but, well done. That was so fucking cool and so well built up with uh, Boba like teaching the sand people like how to ride the speeders. And I, I mean, I love a good train heist. And could they make this show any more of a badass space western? The only thing they were missing was a fucking train heist, and now we got it. Yeah. Hold off. Uh, I uh, couldn't couldn't agree more. I think that that again was really like one of the really cool moments or, or pieces of that episode was. Or was that episode three? Sorry, I think it was episode three. Uh, two. It was two or Whenever three. I can't remember. Whatever it was, doesn't matter. It was awesome. Uh, but the lead up to it, like you said, the build up and them overcoming that uh, language barrier mm-hmm. and and them teaching him and him teaching them and back and forth was just, again, everything with with him being being uh, accepted into that culture worked so well for me. Yeah. Um, what was your favorite that moment scene? That actually leads me into uh, one of mine and... That's when, I believe it's in episode one, uh, might have been in two, but when Boba is captured, he's he's sitting around the fire, he escapes, and he's just running out into the desert, and the same people are like, oh, all right, let's go get him again, and they just stand around him and just, like, fuck with him while they're beating the shit out of him, but they don't actually kill him. Yeah, well, I like, told you at the time, and I did like how they were kind of humanizing Boba Fett, but I always thought, and I know he just came out of the Sarlacc pit, but I thought it was supposed to be some, like, badass. And I was like, every... In the first two episodes, he gets the shit kicked out of him a lot. Yeah, he does. And honestly, he kind of gets the shit kicked out of him, like, even in the finale. He just... Just overcomes that, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. He's just not... It's it's He's just not, like, as... And he's older, I guess, too. But, like, I don't know. It kind of makes him... I guess it's the same deal with Mando. Like, they're not completely, like unable to be bested in hand-to-hand combat which is kind of yeah i guess yeah they're they're mortal right yeah uh and then again like you everything i i i loved that episode with luke and ahsoka i i don't think it fit with the rest of the season but it was like you said just so cool to spend time with them one other thing I want to point out, and this character just reminded me of you for so many ways. Like, I'd be laughing. Santo the Wookiee. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love Santo the Wookiee. He's like you. Like, he likes to party, but, like, when shit gets real, he's ready to go. And those, like, electric brass knuckles he had are one of the coolest. They're so fucking cool, man. Star Wars. Um, he's just so fucking awesome. I loved him. And I just love how he really has no allegiance. Like whoever will buy him a six pack of beer, he's like, I'll kick the shit out of somebody. That was, that was another like really good, it's not really a scene, but when he basically beats everybody up in the, that bar and she's like, Oh, you have quite a big tab. Uh, I'll erase all of that. Just put him down and, and leave. And he kills the, kills the guy and then flicks a coin at her. Like, nah, it's cool. Yeah. I'll just pay my own. Like, it's worth it. He's like, so free beer, but I can't punch this fucking Philadelphia Eagles fan. Now I'll pay for my drink. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll pay double even if I have to. <laughs> I picture him being like a Michigan fan, and he purposely just goes to Ohio State bars so he can get in fights with people. They're like, dude, just go to one uh, Michigan bar. And he's like, you have a fucking problem with me being here? 
<laughs> and Ohio State's playing like Purdue or something. Yeah, he, <laughs> Michigan plays at the same time, and he doesn't even care. He just goes to another bar so he can talk shit to people. <laughs> I think you're such a troll. All right, anything else as far as scene, episode, mo- or moment from the series? I mean, we covered like a lot of the main ones, obviously. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think there's anything else uh, super noteworthy um, to to comment on. All right, so theories and questions. And at the end, Brian's going to drop his what I would have done on us, which everyone will want to hear. Let's start with what Nate sent us. So his theory, uh, Mando and Grogu are headed to Mandalore so Mando can redeem himself and save face, pun intended. The armorer in the Return of the Mandalorian episode said something about redeeming himself by going somewhere, assuming it's on Mandalore. So I believe that siege, what do they call it, like the Night of a Thousand Tears or something? It's something like that, yeah. That, I think, really sets up, and I, th- I think, especially now that the Grogu, like, what happens with him and, and Luke, now that that's resolved, I mean, at least seemingly, the only thing to do with Mando, at least that we've seen so far, is to go back to Mandalore and have the civil war over the Darksaber, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the only the only thing that is compelling now left with Mando is the fact that he is Mandalorian and what is going on with uh, Mandalore and the Darksaber. The Darksaber is the only thing that's been introduced. If we don't think about what we know from Clone Wars, we're just more of a casual viewer. We don't know anything about Mandalore, right? We know that it was destroyed, but we don't really know how or why, anything right. like that. So the only the only thread they really have left to pull is the Darksaber. And this might be a dumb question. It was destroyed by the Empire, right? Like the Night of a Thousand Tears is Imperial Bombers, right? Or TIE Bombers? Uh, if I remember correctly, yes. I don't know who else would actually be dickish enough to do that. Well, I'm trying to think in that last season of Clone Wars. Uh, things happen. I'll just say that because I don't want to spoil anything for you. Okay, okay. But I cannot remember. I can't remember uh, where the ultimate destruction came from off the top of my head. Yeah, so I, I, I totally agree with what Nate's saying. And I actually think, yeah. I'll save that for a little bit later. All right. Do you have any theories or questions before your big one at the end? Uh, so Cobb Vanth. Yeah. He's coming back. He's it appears dead. so. It appears so. The uh, the guy that makes like the prosthetics for people yeah. is somehow now working for Boba Fett. So I'm not going to complain because I love Cobb Vanth. But I mean. it Again, it cheap, it cheapens him getting shot. If they just bring him back, like we're, we're coming to the point of like, nobody, nobody's going to die. Like we can just always bring people back. Exactly. Um, and I thought his death was super meaningful because at least I wasn't convinced that Cobb Vanth Vanth was going to be able to convince the townspeople to go and fight. Yeah. But him him dying showed like that was the only motivation for them to go fight is like oh shit you you killed the marshal you don't do that correct yeah and i love him as a character so i'm not mad that he's probably still alive i'll just piggyback on that people that are uh seemingly dead is cad bane dead do you believe i i think so um i really think so uh i think that there are 
a lot of other time frames to tell Cad Bane stories in. Yeah, I agree. So... Because if you think about it, when you see him here and Boba mentions it, he is, like, way past his prime, Cad Bane is. Sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would say he is in his prime during Clone Wars. Maybe maybe early, and then and then kind of hits his prime more, uh, we'll call it Rebels-ish time. But... Yeah, he's 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 old as balls. But he can still, you know, he's a veteran that can still help a team, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's a locker room guy. He's got that he's got that knowledge, that wisdom. He's been there before. Right. So he can he can he's a coach on the floor, you know. Um all right, that's all I had as far as deaths. Uh Oh, one thing I wanted to ask. So at the end and I believe this is the last scene before the credits. I think the, the Cobb Vanth, was that post-credits? Or, I believe that was post-credits, yeah. Okay, so when Fennec Shan goes and kills the Pikes and the mayor, do you believe she was going rogue there? Because to me, in that scene, it just did not seem like something Boba Fett would have uh, signed off on and let her use the company card. I, I think I agree with that statement, yeah. I think that... I think he sent her there, but I don't think murder was part of the deal. Yeah, that just based on what we've seen from Boba, that did not seem like his style. Yeah, or the way I he think to handle any of it. Yeah, I think that was Finnick saying, "Look, I'm your second in command, and I'm going to do the things that that you don't want to do." And you don't need to know. I'm just going to take care of some stuff. Yeah, and I actually kind of like that dynamic how she's like, "Look, I." I respect you and I'm not going to betray you, but like if you, you know, let me take out the interns, uh, I might splurge a little bit, you know, like I might do a few things that maybe you wouldn't do. And I don't mean that to be insubordinate. I just mean it to be, we have different management styles. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I, again, their relationship really is really, really cool because the entire time, like they both have mutual respect for each other but they never agree on how to handle Boba's position. Right. So I, and again, that's, I, I think, I think you're right. I think she did go rogue. I didn't think about that, but I think you're right. And I think I'm a little fucked up because I found myself a lot of times agreeing with Finnick. I don't think that's, I don't think that's weird. Yeah. It's Ming-Na Wen though. She's fucking awesome. She is. She's badass. I only have one more thing. Do you have anything else for your big bombshell? Uh, no, no, not really. Nothing, nothing till this, how I would have done it. So what's your last thing? So this is, I guess, a little bit of a theory and a little bit of a question for you. Um, I'm glad, even though I think narratively it kind of undercut the, the coolness of the Mando season two finale. I'm glad Grogu is back in the Mandalorian fold. And I actually think Lucasfilm was starting to wonder like, how the fuck do we sell this show without baby Yoda? Like, yeah, he's a media darling. The world fell in love with him and they're not wrong for thinking that. Um, so my first theory is that is it for Grogu and the Jedi. Like there's not going to be some moment where Mando says, no, you need to go back. Or even like Ahsoka shows up, which we, at this point we could even say Ahsoka is like, maybe friend of the Jedi more than she actually is like affiliated with the Jedi. Oh, she's definitely not Jedi. Right. But I do think we will get some connection to Yoda, either saying he is lineage of him or he will have some correlation to him. Obviously them being 
of the same species. So I hope and I think that they will steer more into that because the question that I would have for you right now, Brian, is narratively, does Baby Yoda slash Grogu actually serve a purpose in Mando season three? Or And I'm totally fine if this is the case. Or is he just there, though, to be cute and look at and because people love him? I think he is there to sell toys. I'm okay with it. And that's totally fine. I that's guess fine. how the media machine works. I just want I, I think that if the third season is going along the path that we think it is in that it's going to revolve around the dark saber and possibly Mandalore, uh, that story will not change whether Grogu is with Mando or with, or not with him. Yeah. It's the exact same store story going to be told. So uh, is he, I don't think he's necessary other than, a financial gain. And I guess maybe I missed this totally. This is kind of speaking to Nate's theory. At the end of the episode in the series, do they mention even like subtly where Mando's actually going in the Naboo Starfighter? Not that I caught. He just kind of said something, I think earlier in the episode or maybe even episode six where he's like, I have business I have to take care of or something. Well, that was, he said, First, I have to take care of something. And that was after Finnick went to recruit him. So he flew off in the star, star speeder. I took that as him going to wherever Luke was mm. and delivering the chainmail shirt. Right. Just to, It's like when you break up with someone after three years, you, like you want closure. So you're like, hey, you left this T-shirt at my house. Yeah. Also, do you want to maybe get some drinks? I don't know. Is there anything? Are you seeing anyone? What's up? Yeah. Um. Okay, that makes sense. I just I just didn't know if I missed something obvious, but seemingly like based on what they gave us from Mando, especially before he showed up back on Tatooine, uh, that's his plan, right? He knows that he has yeah. some Mandalorian shit that he has to deal yeah, with. Yeah, he he's got to go to confession, basically. Yeah, he's kind of been like tiptoeing around the creed, like you know, he has like cheat days. It's like a diet. Forgive me, Lord, for I have sinned. I took my helmet off. Yeah, I just couldn't eat these nachos with my helmet on. Yeah, and they were really good nachos. I almost don't regret it. If you guys, yeah. if you would have seen these motherfuckers, God. <laughs> All right, Brian, uh, lay it on us. And I know you're not in the state of mind when you send no, incredible. I, video. I'm not. I'm gonna, and I may stumble a little bit here, guys, because this is just rough drafting it. Uh, but you've got Grogu at the end of Mando season two. You have Grogu uh, off with. Luke, right? He's gone. We don't know what's going on with Mando. Now we go into Book of Boba Fett. I think you can do everything the same with Book of Boba Fett. Take out everything with Grogu. You don't need any of it. Uh, keep the Mando episode where he has the chainmail uh, shirt made, everything like that. Then just do a throwaway scene of him meeting up with Ahsoka saying here can you give this to him that's it uh or or even keep you could even keep in that the whole episode and end it with grogu either uh having the choice but we don't know what he chooses then finish out book of boba fett just the way but grogu never shows up okay he is off training with luke let's gonna assume he took the lightsaber so he's off training with luke he's really his first pupil 
Luke sends him off to do Jedi stuff wherever he's got to do Jedi stuff. While Grogu is gone, that is when the events of Kylo Ren and Luke's little tuffle, and they get in a fight, and the Jedi Temple gets burnt down, and Kylo turns to the dark side. Immediately after that, Luke goes into exile, right? Crashes his crashes his uh, X-wing on the planet where he drinks the green milk and hires a bunch of frog maids. Yep, off of Angel. So he just up and leaves. He's like, "Damn, I'm not a good teacher. I'm out." Grogu then comes back to rubble, maybe a smoking uh, Jedi temple. So sorry, just to clarify, in this scenario, which I prefer to what we've gotten. Is Kylo aware of Grogu's existence? Like, did he leave at a time where they would be knowledgeable of each other? I haven't thought that through. I don't know if it's ne- if it's even like necessary. Yeah, uh, I don't. Because was Kylo? He, was he on a mission of like hunting down Jedi? He really just hated his uncle, right? Yeah, he wasn't hunting. I don't think he was hunting Jedi necessarily. Uh, yeah. Anyway. We'll say no just because that's easier and we don't have to think about it then. He Grogu was already off doing mission stuff. Okay. So he comes back. He finds in the rubble this chainmail suit. Immediately recognizes that it's Beskar and goes, oh shit, that's Mando. At the same time, he is feeling extremely betrayed by Luke. Because yeah. Luke just left him. So he goes, well, look, the Jedi, which is what we all think, the Jedi are fucked up. They're stupid. They they talk about compassion, but yet Luke showed no compassion there. They talk about all of these things you're not allowed to do, but yet those are all the best things in life. So Grogu's like, you know what? Fuck this. You had something? No. I, I was saying we could do a whole episode on how hypocritical the Jedi are. So yes. You don't, you don't even need to. You're preaching the choir here. Yeah. So... Grogu's like, wow, fuck this. Let's so this is presumably fifteen years in the future from from the choice that Grogu had. Okay. Okay. So then he goes, well, hey, I'm gonna put this chainmail shirt on and I'm gonna go find Mando. So then he goes off and he finds Mando, and he's got a Jedi or he's got a lightsaber. He's got Jedi powers. He knows how to use the Force. Plus, he has a fucking Beskar chainmail suit on. Which, when Luke gave him the choice, I was like, fuck, dude. I really wish he could have both, because that would be badass. This is a way that you can have both. You explain why we don't have Grogu uh, in the sequel trilogy. Because mm-hmm. he's off doing shit with Mando. They're being bounty hunters fucking badasses. And I think the thing I like about your theory, too, is... I feel like, and obviously we're not in the room because they kicked us out that one time we actually got into the pitch meeting and they said we were, quote unquote, too drunk to be there, which I don't know what that means. Yeah, but. there's no such thing. So like, Right. But tell I think, me scientifically how you're too drunk. Exactly. You can't. I think one of the reasons that they brought Grogu back with Mando so quickly was I think the question everyone was asking, like Pablo Hidalgo and Dave Filoni, who are like in charge of the canon, is... Well, so is fucking Grogu dead then? Like, would Kylo destroy the temple? And they're like, Jesus Christ. Okay, well, we'll just get him out of there as quick as we can so we don't have to answer yeah, these questions anymore. That's a that's a great point. Even though we had, like, a very sizable, like, 20-year gap, probably, between when he gets dropped off and... Yeah. I, when- again, I think in my scenario, 
not let's say Grogu even learns English at that point. You start having like a maybe not have him talk like Yoda, but I don't know. At that point, you can have some sort of dialogue between Mando and Grogu instead of just the coos and oohs and ahs. Yeah. I like it a lot. Now, having said that, I don't. I, I, let's go to like, are, do you have anything you want to add to that? Sorry, I'm cutting you off. Here. No, no, I think, I mean, I think that's it. I just, I think that's where them turning Bo- Book of Boba Fett into Mando season 2.5 hurt them. Mm-hmm. Whereas this scenario, you could have left 95% of what you had, but had a, I don't want to say better outcome. Cause I don't know. We don't know what the outcome is going to be, but you could have a very different, very plausible future well and what you just laid out actually still gives them a lot of runway for storytelling that now i feel like it was ground they've already covered in a lot of ways yeah uh yeah yeah um so nate and i didn't have like a rating set but i, I like that he gave us one he gave uh Bo- book of boba fett a 7.2 i'm assuming that's out of 10 that's that's too high for me <clears throat> yeah so i was gonna say what are your overall thoughts on the series in general uh Overall thoughts, I was entertained, uh, but this really was three kind of mini shows all shoved into one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I, I agree with what you said earlier. This did not need to be a seven episode show. This could have been like a two part mini series. Give me an hour and a half one week, an hour and a half the next week. Yeah, and I again, I don't mind that it was titled Book of Boba Fett, even though it's ultimately not about him. I do think that, like, if you're, I'm not a huge Boba Fett head. I know there's a lot of people out there that are obsessed with him, and I just really, cycling, I've talked about this a lot. I just don't get the obsession. I don't either. Um, if I'm them, I'm kind of disappointed because this really did not end up being about their favorite character. And, and like you said, really turned into Mandalorian season 2.5. But I, I mean, that's some of my favorite shit in the show is when we actually brought Mando in, Din Djarin. So, it's hard for me to really criticize it. I will say the show maybe was mismarketed or uh, sort of presented even before it was released as something that it really wasn't. And I don't know if Luke – it's not like Lucasfilm was being disingenuous because if they would have just said it's The Mandalorian, more people probably would have watched it than Boba Fett. I just think when Dave Filoni and Favreau are in the, the writer's room and they're putting this together, they start to realize, like, look, for this story to really work and really connect with people – I just think we need to add the, what they know and love and what we've had success with recently. And maybe it made some people feel cheated. Well, I didn't, I wasn't absolutely in love with the show. There were some high highs. Uh, and I don't want to say some low lows, but like the average point of it was probably below the Mandalorian and it had a few peaks is what I'll say. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think uh, I out of 10, I gave it a 6.9. Um, of course. And <laughs> I get, I get it now. I didn't even intend to do that. It just came so. Yes, naturally. you did. Don't tell me you didn't mean to do that. Um, but it, it got uh, such a low score for me because it didn't feel like it knew what it was for a lot of the show. Mm-hmm. You had really three distinct parts of the show, and they weren't intermingled through every episode. It was a First three episodes, three or four, then you have two or three, and then you have the last couple. Like, pretty pretty chunky when it comes to that stuff. 
Um, and then again, I, I'm not a big Boba Fett guy. So I was entertained the entire time. And I'm actually the way I've got another question for you here. Do you think we're going to get a season two of quote unquote book of Boba Fett? I don't see any way that now that I, I definitely think he's popping up again. And I think his, his story, especially maybe in Ahsoka, I, I think now that Cara Dune's out that Knights of the Old Republic show's gone, but, um, timeline wise, I guess he, no, he, well, he could fit into Obi-Wan who knows. So I think we are either going to get a Disney plus or straight to Disney plus movie, or he's going to get another season and it's going to be him with, it's going to be him, uh, the Wookiee Finnick and the cyborg people. Let's go to cyborg people. And they're going to be a little, little gang flying around the fucking galaxy doing what they did on tattooing, maybe liberate, helping people liberate uh, suppressed cultures or helping, you know, they're, they're like the magnificent seven. They're going to just going to run around. They're bad dudes, but they're helping people. Or like I don't know guardians if they would the ever, galaxy. I don't know if they would ever consider doing this Disney plus, but I would be cool with like, they don't have to be movies. They could be like one-off quote unquote episodes or like mini sods. Like give me a 40 minute episode in Canon and I don't know how they would title it, but it would be like it could be characters like Santo, Fennec, and like the biker gang, and it's just one forty-minute episode that they could drop like once a month or something. I would watch yeah. the shit out of that. Yeah, for sure. I think I think we're gonna get something with them because Boba Fett made a a comment at the end. He said, "You know, people like us just really aren't cut out for this." Mm-hmm. And that told me or kind of made me think like okay is he this is his gang now like he he found his family they're gonna go out and and do some shit and i'll be honest i was surprised the way he was talking about most espa to cad bane i was like damn bro you like really fucking love this place i didn't realize it was that big of a deal to you but it's kind of cool to see him humanized like that yeah yeah it was all right anything else you ready to move on to our protein shake let's do it all right, our protein shake is the second part of our show where we go around and talk about what's in our cup, also known as what have we watched lately. Banner, I've watched four things. One of them is an episode of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So, which I'm going back through, and I'll tell you guys what I'm doing as we get to it. But uh, how many things have you seen? Uh, I've got five things on here. A couple of them are going to be super brief, though. So, okay, why don't you go first, and we'll just go back and forth. All right, so first, uh, all right, guys, I watched Ted Lasso. I get it, okay? Both I seasons? Yes. Cool. Yeah, yeah, Love I Ted get Lasso. it. Um, yeah, it was great. I, I like how I like how much depth they gave to all the characters very, very quickly and how nobody is who they are on the surface. Dude, Nate, ugh. His character. Is there anybody that has grayed faster between season one and the end of season two? Only Obama is the only person. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm interested, but yeah. Also, is there a cooler quote in a show than Trent Crim, Independent? <laughs> yeah, that's 
I mean, yeah, I get it. I we've talked about it enough. I watched it. I get it. All right. Moving my on. wife and I went as Roy Kent and Keeley for Halloween. I love Roy Kent. He was my favorite character. Like not even not yeah. even close. He was my favorite <laughs> character. I just kept saying, fuck off. Fuck off. Him and his niece. I love their relationship. It was just a, that was probably the best. That was probably the best relationship in the entire show. The episode where she goes, Uncle Roy, can we get ice cream? And he goes, fuck no. Fuck no. Thank you for setting boundaries. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. Um, yeah, Ted Lasso's great. We're getting yeah. a third season. I kind of hope, and I'm, I love the show, but I kind of hope they end it after three. Like, uh, Yeah, I don't think, I don't know how much more you can go. Like, what more can you do with this story past uh, whatever's going to happen with Nate? Yeah. Like, what's the line in The Dark Knight? It's like, you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Like, let's die a hero with yeah, with uh, Ted Lasso. Um, you want me to get another one out? Or you, you uh, sure, you can do one more. All right. So I decided uh, it's been enough time. I'm going to go back and start watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. again from the beginning. Now that the series is completed... Um, we have the possibility of the multiverse opening up. Just kind of wanted to sharpen my skills up on that. Uh, finished the first season. First 10, 12 episodes, kind of rough. Really? I think that at the time, just because it was, oh, this is this goes along with the movies. It's really the first show that ever went along with a movie universe. It was a big deal, and that's what kept people kept people hanging on right kept hanging on people kept people kept hanging. people hanging on yeah yeah um and it really took until winter soldier for that show to figure out what it is and find its fit footing the fall of shield and and that turn to hydra was that was the point when agents of shield became agents of shield yeah and that was executed so well on the show yes it was and it's disappointing now to learn that that uh, it's not disappointing it's just a little like oh man that that is not canon per se i don't even know what we call it it's not the main universe i guess is what they're saying now yeah i mean tbd who knows yeah they'll they'll probably do something with it i would guess all right what you got uh, so I watched an HBO original movie, and I think, uh, even though it came out earlier in the year, I think this might be a sleeper for some Oscar contention next year. I already put on the Broscars for us. Uh, it's called The Fallout, starring Jenna Ortega. I'm not sure if you saw a trailer for this. It is about, uh, it stars Julie Bowen as well from Modern Family, and John Ortiz, who plays Braga in the Fast and Furious movies. This is sounding super familiar. So the the plot is... Jenna Ortega is a, uh, I don't know, she's probably what, like a high school sophomore, and there is a school shooting at her school, and she's a survivor of it, and it's about uh, dealing with that trauma and some of the friendships that are forged uh, through people that that survived, and then also dealing a little bit with like the survivor's guilt of it as well. Damn, this is some heavy shit. Yeah, it was it was intense. Um, just like a really well-made movie and sadly like too relevant to the times we're living in today. Um, But had some really emotional moments, just very well written and acted. And I think did a really good job of showing like how 
like the families of the people that go through this stuff are so affected as well. Like her parents and especially her little sister who like idolizes her, just like not knowing how to deal with this and make sure that they're like there and available for her, but also not like making her feel like she has to act any certain way. Um, and Shailene Woodley, who I actually hate as a person, just because you she's, do, you do really hate her. She had a quote. Obviously, she's engaged to Aaron Rodgers, where she said she's is never. Is she now? Yeah. Okay. They still are. She tries to claim that she's never watched a football game, and just I call bullshit on the nth degree. And why would you try and say that to me? But it's an aside. But she actually plays uh, Jenna Ortega's therapist in it, and I think Jenna Ortega, who starred in You season two and the new Scream in this, like. Buy your stock right now because she, I was going to say she is red fucking hot. Yeah. And she's going to be like in a Marvel movie in probably a year or two. And I think she might get some Oscar buzz for this. So the fallout, um, I highly recommend it as a movie, but make sure you have a palate cleanser afterwards. Like we watched an episode or two of new girl. I'm um, good. Yeah. You gotta, it's, it's heavy stuff, but, um, I Worth think at it. the end, yeah, at the end of the year, it's one that I'll be like, I wish you would check this one out. All right, what else you got? All right. Uh, we watched the entire season of The Woman in the House Across the Street from the Girl in the Window. Okay, I'm glad you watched this because I was interested, but not enough to watch it myself. So it was... Honestly, I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, is it great? No, it's nothing that like, oh my God, you got to see it. What are we looking at? Uh, like eight 40 minute episodes? What's it? They're 30 minute episodes, uh, eight, eight 30 minute episodes. I mean, we plowed through, I think we watched it like two and a half days. Yeah. We were, unfortunately, you guys are good we about were, that. yeah, well, and we were, uh, unfortunately we were quarantined for a little while. So yeah. we, uh, we had a lot of extra time on our hands, which was nice. Um, because it hits every like thriller slasher trope out there in a really good like a comedic way but also at the same time they're not making fun of it it's like a very dark comedy yes it is a dark it's a yeah the vibe i got maybe more so from the title because the trailer didn't give me this feeling but is it like lampooning or making fun of maybe not making fun of but uh, like sort of parodying the woman in the window, like the Amy Adams movie that people kind of panned, or is it like taking the premise of like the false narrator or the woman who's like, Oh, is she really just like psychotic and making all this stuff up in her head? Or is this real? Or is it kind of taking that trope and just playing off of it? It's more of, is this, is she crazy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It goes more that way, but it's, it's fun. It's, I mean, it's a fucking slasher thriller show. Like, of course, it's going to be silly also, but it it's serious. It takes itself seriously, but it's not trying too hard, if that makes sense. It's it's in this really weird gray area. Um, And I'm not well, before this statement, I want to preface it by I'm, I am in no way telling you you have to watch seven or six other episodes to get to the seventh episode. But the seventh episode has some of the best acting I've ever seen out of Kristen Bell. Wow. Okay. It was fucking incredible. I did not know she had that those kind of chops. I'm a big Kristen Bell head. You know that. Yeah. Um, Are there any she, twists and turns in this thing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's some good twists and turns. All right. Fuck. You're selling me on it. Yeah. I. It's 
this isn't so, like I said, I don't want anybody going into this being like, oh my God, this is going to be the next best thing. It's not. It's just, it's a good one off eight episodes. I mean, it's, it, it's literally like a three hour movie. Um, the thing I always ask, you know, this is like, if you and I were sitting there and someone recommended a show to me and said this phrase, you would just roll your eyes and be like, don't, you, you, just, you just lost him. But is is there like a crescendo point where you say like, all right, you got to watch four episodes for it to get good? Or will this, doesn't have to have me like necessarily locked and loaded right off the bat, but will I get it or be interested after like one or two? Yeah, after one or two, you'll be, you'll be in. I okay. think the first night, I think we watched two. And I was going into it like, eh, you know, whatever. I can't like the name is such a fucking tongue twister. I know. I, and I, I was almost out on it just because of the title. I just but had Kristen Bell when, when things try and hook you just with their title. I'm like, relax. And I, at the end of the day, after watching it, I am glad that the title is so long. They they tried to shorten it to the woman in the house across the street. But Kristen Bell, uh, being an EP on it, said, no, that is a sticking point. We have to keep it all the way. And okay. after watching it, I, I I like it. I like that it's it's real long. It, it kind of reminds me of like a, a mystery thriller book, how it plays out. Like you're I mean, learning everything through Kristen Bell's eyes. And she's the unreliable narrator where you're like, can we trust her eyes, you know? Yes. And at the end, you... There's there's some good stuff, man. I really I the more I think about it, the more I like it. All right, you made the sale. I'll have it finished by next episode. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> um, all right, I watched uh, a movie on Hulu that came out last year called Ride the Eagle, starring Jake Johnson, and I don't want to say starring J.K. Simmons, but J.K. Simmons is in it. Uh, Jake Johnson, he didn't direct it, but he actually wrote the script to this movie. Interesting. You write the and, script, but you don't direct. Yeah. Susan Sarandon is in it. And the premise is kind of cool. So Jake Johnson plays like a, a hippie guy who's like, you know, kind of in his mid-30s and sort of not really taking life by the balls, I guess, so to speak. And Susan Sarandon, who was his kind of estranged mother, uh, passes away and leaves him her cabin in his will. This is a comedy, by the way, because it sounds like it could be a horror. Basically. I was going to say... I. This doesn't sound like something I would enjoy. <laughs> um, and basically, she's estranged from him because when he turned 12 years old, she was definitely a hippie. She chose to leave him to join this cult, which she ended up, of course, you know, quitting and kind of regretting for like the last 15, 20 years of her life that she did it, trying to reconnect with him. But he was like, no, fuck you. You left me like my formative years. But f part of the uh, catch for Jake Johnson's character to inherit the cabin is she leaves a list of five things that she wants him to do, like life lessons. And he's basically like homeless, so he kind of really needs the, the cabin. And it's a really nice cabin, too. Um, and so he goes up to the cabin, watches these videos that she recorded for him, and he basically sets off to do this to-do list that she left aside for him to inherit the cabin. Um, and J.K. Simmons plays his mom's neighbor and one of her former lovers, it's like, like <laughs> interactive. Be... Yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, and it's a good it's it's a good film. I, I think there's a lot there for you. It'll make you want to call, you know, your parents and tell them you love them afterwards. Uh, it's just 
it's not very funny, and I don't really know if it tries to be, but I kind of wish there was more humor in it, especially with Jake Johnson. But then it also like doesn't really try. I guess it's just it's not trying too hard to do anything. Is kind of where I was like a little it's, bit disappointed. It's just now you're doing nothing. Right now you're just boogie. you have to do something. I guess and, and it's not an indictment. Like it's a harmless hour twenty seven minutes, you know, and it's on Hulu, so like I don't have to rent it anywhere. I would definitely recommend watching it, but. At the same time, when I, I think I gave it a three and a half on Letterboxd, I was like, if you're not like trying to be a great movie, I can't really like reward you for that as well, right? Yeah. But yeah, I uh, mean, if you're if you're just there to kind of be entertaining and tell a little story, like okay, mission accomplished, but you're not gonna get you're not gonna get more than sure. That. Um, and the other thing that's kind of tough, there's really not much or, or many characters for Jake Johnson to play off of, like. One of the things, and this is in the trailer, so it's not really a spoiler. One of the things his mom asked him to do is call the one who got away. And so he has, like, a lot of phone conversations with this girl who he reaches out to from his past. But aside from, like, five or six scenes with J.K. Simmons, it's literally him and his dog the whole movie. Or him, like, emoting or reacting to videotapes Mm -hmm. that Susan Strainer has recorded. So it's, like, it's almost like Colin Farrell in Phone Booth, like... You can be a really good actor, but if you have nothing to play off of, sometimes it's just sort of tough to keep yeah. engaged. Yeah, I can see that. It's kind of low budget. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but one, a really good trailer, by the way. If you look up Ride the Eagle trailer on YouTube, it's like incredible. And the movie I would recommend, it's just not like something I would say stop traffic and go watch it right now. But put it on a list and uh, it's something that it's pretty accessible. Like the wife will like it. You can even watch it with kids. Because there's weed references, but the kids won't know what's going on. Ride the Eagle. What else you got? All right, I got uh, two more things, uh, both real brief. Um, first uh, one, last Friday night, movie night we had, 101 Dalmatians. Guys, that shit Animated or the Glenn Animated, of course. Run. No, okay, the Glenn okay. Close Run don't even... You don't like that, that one? No. What? Damn, I'm but, kind of surprised. No, I don't like I haven't seen it in a while, but I don't remember liking it. Yeah, it's probably not that good, I guess. Uh, not, the cartoon, though? I fight. Yeah, the, okay, I'm not willing to die on that mountain. Just take it, you win. Yeah. Punt. Uh, guys, the cartoon, it fucking holds up. It's like an hour 20, it's a quick watch. Cruella DeVille, she might be my new favorite villain. So... I'm trying to remember the way she's drawn like Yzma with from the Emperor's New Groove was definitely modeled after her, right? It had to be. Yeah. I think Yzma's a little bit more um, emaciated. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, very, yeah, very similar. It's very malnourished. <laughs> uh, and Cruella de Vil, Cruella de Vil. Dude, that is a she fucking She doesn't scare finger. you. No Nobody will. Let me ask you this. Uh, so your daughter, she's at the age now where, like, she's way smarter than I even am, am at 34 years old. But is uh, a movie like this where, like, there, it's really not a musical by Disney standards. Can this still hold her attention, even with, it, like, the lesser animation? It did. So the whole reason, little little backstory here, guys. Baby Banner in dance class uh, is going to be they're they're dancing to Cruella Deville. Oh, great! Yeah, and she's gonna dress up like a puppy, and God, so cute. she 
I know. I can't. I can't fucking wait. Uh, but she wanted to watch the movie. So we start watching the first time Cruella shows up. There's like a little bit of lightning. Like it's it's pretty ominous. Like it, it's a little scary. She didn't like it. And we pause. Well, yeah, and, like, and her job is to hurt dogs, basically. So it's like, yeah, exactly. And so she was like, uh, we paused it. And we're like, let's watch something else. We don't have to. Yeah, it kind of scared me. But I guess I'll see what happens. And she was locked in from there on. That's your daughter. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really into this, but like, okay, I'll admit but it for the I'm, long haul now. But the remote's four feet to my right, so. Yeah. It's not going to, it's not in my hand right now. So I'm not changing the channel. Uh, so yeah, guys, uh, 101 Dalmatians, it holds up. I, if you got kids, like enjoy it. Enjoy the family time. I got to check it out. Cause I got to be honest. It's been probably 25 years since I've seen that movie since I was like eight or nine. And I loved Cruella. Like I'm going to be giving it a lot of love at the Broskers here in March because yeah, I thought I just think like the whole concept of Cruella Deville and like she's such a unique character in terms of what Disney has presented us with. Yeah. She's really interesting to me. Yeah. I uh I think she is one of the better villains. Um, and again, because you can kind of especially after watching Cruella, not just we're getting off on a tangent, but uh you really empathize with her. You understand where she's coming from. Did you? Which, what were your thoughts on Cruella? Like, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. Okay. Um, and I, I just watched it two or three weeks ago, fairly recently. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. I thought Emma Stone just ha was having a fucking blast. Yeah, having the time of her life. Yeah, I think um, the the story was really good. the The origin of her was really good. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, just all around. Great. I think there's a couple moments that was a little little campy for me, but like it's about kidnapping dogs and like making a fur coat out of a dog. Like right. you and you you can't just like come out with that. So <laughs> you have to be a little bit silly and goofy to lighten that that uh, notion. And Emma Thompson is great in it too. She might so be the, good. The sweetest woman on earth in real life, but when I see how good she is at playing a heinous bitch, I'm like, I don't know. You have to kind of be an asshole in real life, right? To pull that yeah. off that maybe, way. Maybe maybe that's just who she is, but she's acting anytime we see her out in real life. Very true. Look All right. Spe I mean, very closely related to 101 Dalmatians. I watched the 2011 Indonesian action film cult classic, The Raid. Oh, have yeah. You've seen The Raid? I figured anyone. No, I actually it. haven't. Oh, damn it. All right. Well, it's on Tubi, which is one of those shitty free apps, but you'd be surprised some of the movies it has on Dude, it. Dude, they're, yeah. IMDb TV is the fucking shit. Yeah, that, was, that one's good too. Um, so this is what I call, so I hate exercising, but we do have a treadmill in our garage with a TV right in front of it. And this is what I call a treadmill watch because it's just nonstop balls to the wall action for an hour and 22 minutes. And that's something I can work out to, right? The raid had a budget of $1.8 million and every single cent of that had to be spent on these action set pieces and the choreography. It is unbelievable. It's incredibly graphic and violent. But dude, the fucking fighting in this, the, the shootouts and the camera work was blowing my fucking mind. 
When did this come out? 2011. Okay. Now, the premise is so badass. So it literally starts a one-minute scene of character development. All right, the main character's wife is pregnant. You got it? Got it. Okay, perfect. Then it cuts to he's a SWAT team uh, member in a van, and they're going to a high-rise building run by a drug lord where every resident of that building is there basically hiding out from the police. And their job is to infiltrate the building and work their way up to the top floor where they want to arrest the drug kingpin. I'm in. And so the whole movie just takes place in like real time, basically. And it's of them going through this fucking high rise, just getting in these massive shootouts and fights with the people on each floor, trying to get to the top. And it's called Raid? The Raid, yeah, on Tubi. And there is a quote that I paused it and actually sent this to Popeye Jones, who's come on the podcast before. This is one of the best threats I've ever seen in a movie. One of the uh, like gangsters on one of the floors says to a resident in the building who's actually not part of like the criminal underworld, he says to him, and I quote, and again, these, this is translated, so it, something might be lost in translation, but I hope not. The guy says, quote, shut the fuck up or I'll bleed you. That's some real shit right there. You're going to bleed me? That's some real shit. Did I stutter? Shut the fuck up or I'll bleed you. I want to get that tattooed on my dick. Probably not the best place to have that tattooed. <laughs> There's not enough space for sure to put a whole Obviously. Yeah. Um, the So the Raid 2 is supposedly like a top 30 action movie of all time. And that's part of the reason why I watched The Raid 1 was to get to The Raid 2. So I'll probably watch that one by the next episode and fill you in on it. Um, if I watch Raid 1, would you be interested in Raid 2 blind commentary? Absolutely, I would, yeah. Okay. All right. I'll keep you posted on that. And that's a good one for it because there's nothing to – it's just people kicking the shit out of each other. <laughs> yeah. There's no talking. Yeah, it's pretty much it's pretty much a Godzilla commentary. That's a great comp. I only had one more thing. Did you all? Uh, yeah, I only got one more thing. Uh, you guys know we've actually been doing this long enough. We've had several Olympics uh, come through while we've been on the pod, which is incredible to think about. Uh, but I've been locked into the Winter Olympics, guys. Uh, I've, I've tried. Des- can't I've decided it. the Winter Olympics fucking sucks. Yeah, I agree. I've I've decided. Curling is it, dude. That's like really honestly, uh, curling and women's hockey are the only yeah. two things that I've I've been in. I can I care less about the men's hockey. The snowboarding and the skiing, while it is very impressive, I can't follow how many fucking spins they do. Dude. They're spinning a lot, and they yeah. land. Cool. Okay. You know, that's the problem. And this is like, I, same with gymnastics in the Summer Olympics, where I can really respect how fucking talented they are. But I don't know, like, the difference between a 9.5 and a 7.6. You know what I'm saying? That's the no. problem for me. For me, if it looks cool... I'll give you a fucking 10. Yeah. Cool. I this is why I'd be a bad judge. I can't do that. I'd be like, well, that's exactly. Not, that's not really yeah. what we're judging. <laughs> yeah. Uh figure skating, maybe I'm just not artsy enough. I don't understand it. I, I just don't get what they mark them off for. Like, Again, it's very impressive. Like, I can't fucking skate, like, let alone jump up and do spins and throw people in the air and catch them while you're on the ice. I, I just don't fucking get it. Mm-hmm. Um and and maybe that says more about me, probably, but it's impressive. I just don't I just don't get it. 
Yeah. And so I can't tell you like what, again, what a good score versus bad score is. Also, call me a front runner because I am. We're like seventh in medal count as we're recording this. So like, I'm not interested, bro. Yeah. No, I'm. Austria's winning. And good for Austria. They they deserve a win. I think. And don't even get me started on the bullshit. Like, Russia can't be there, so they just change their name to the Russia Olympic Committee, so and then fucking they, and then they get caught they still fucking get caught cheating. So now they got to change their name again. Oh, that's your punishment. Fuck off. They're gonna be the the people of Russia. Yeah. Olympic athletes team squad. Don't add, you can't just add squad to the end. Who the fuck does that, you know? Yeah, it's stupid. even so dumb. Why would even somebody think of that? I'm embarrassed for them. I know. That's all I had. All right, uh, last thing I watched. I'm going back through the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Oh, yes, I remember this. In every episode that I watch, I'm going to give you the plot synopsis and then my three takeaways, which are number one. Let me actually pull up what I had. Number one, uh, my favorite quote from the episode from each episode um number two just an observation that i made and then number three the monster that the power rangers fought so we're up to season one episode five entitled different drum these are all on netflix by the way and i'm only doing this to get to the green ranger introduction um here's the plot synopsis for different i want to say it's like 12 episodes in yeah i think i have like five or six more yeah uh, Kimberly's deaf friend, Melissa, has a tough time fitting in when the gnarly gnome monster strikes using music to hypnotize the children of Angel Grove. Her handicap allows her to remain unaffected. With her aid, the Power Rangers put an end to the gnome's symphony of destruction. All right, a few things I got here. Uh, first off, in the very beginning of the episode, which so far every episode has started at the Angel Grove gym and juice bar, meaning the problem is we're getting a lot of Ernie. Mm-hmm. who just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, so Ernie, there's like a dance class going on that Ernie like is helping organize with Kimberly teaching. And Billy uh, is unable to dance because of course he's a nerd, Brian. Obviously. And instead of saying, I don't know how to dance, this is what Billy says. This is a direct quote. Quote, I'm intrigued by the rhythmic modulation, yet confused by the coordinated movements. End quote. I'm embarrassed to say that the Blue Ranger was my favorite growing like for a while when I was growing up. He was my brother's too. Yeah. Yeah. Also, he's I mean, obviously, obviously everybody loved the the Green Ranger and the White Ranger, but like of the OG Rangers, he was he was always my favorite and billy is participating in the dance class in like denim overalls i was like dude just get a fucking pair of shorts like what do you what else do you do a dance class in? <laughs> the, se- <laughs> the second thing i put on here for the first time i don't know if this was like a subplot that i just missed but because i watched these episodes like two weeks apart but zach is definitely fucking trini dude like when they're sitting at the juice bar oh she's like, yeah She's like all up on him, and when he there's a scene where he like dances against Bulk, and she goes, "Yo, Zach," and I'm like, "Oh my god, you guys yeah. are definitely fucking on the side." <clears throat> and the monster is a uh, like a a troll guy who plays an accordion that again hypnotizes the citizens of Angel Grove. Naturally, naturally. And actually, as he hip, so it's cr- kind of creepy. He hypnotizes all girls, like seven girls. 
and takes them back to this cave and they're like partying and he's definitely like was like an hour away from like trying to fuck one of them sure it wasn't bill cosby i'm not sure it wasn't bill cosby actually we should fact check that yeah all right uh i believe that's it unless a certain bird has a noise it wants to make can't believe I've been doing that shit for five fucking years. I know. The worst part is when you're not on an episode and, like, no one has the ball. <laughs> Nobody else will do it. No. <laughs> Someone's tried. Someone said, like, Bruh! and then we just, like, no, no, no. The last part of our show is our <laughs> Do You Even Lift Bra segment, which is the Bruh! question and answer part that we end our show with. So today, the question, as it has been since episode 160, uh, and our five-year anniversary is, what are our top 100 movies of all time? And if you click the link in this description or go to our website, broforsquad.com at the top, you will see a link to a Google Sheet where we have each been counting down, all five of the bros, our top 100 movies ever, one by one. And Brian, before you reveal a few of yours tonight, why don't you tell the people basically what are these lists because as i always try to tell people it's not like the afi's top 100 movies right it's a definitive flavor of the bro four squad here yeah this is my top 100 movies when i am grading these this this isn't necessarily like this is what i think the best movie ever is honestly what what probably is like the best movie ever i'm probably never going to watch it again um these are my favorite movies based on my criteria that I make up. It may not make sense, doesn't but have to. It, it, it doesn't have to. It's my fucking list. Banner is up to number seven. He's counted down uh, 100 through 79 on his list. And just so you guys can get a taste, he already has two of the Star Wars prequels in here, which I'm not criticizing you for. I'm just saying, like, that shows you these are movies that you love. You don't have yeah. to explain them to anyone else. And for context... Uh, the never mind i don't have any context okay you are the context i'm the context all right so if you look at the updated list uh banner the last one he did was his number 79 which was sleepy hollow from 1999 check out our movie commentary on that a movie that i absolutely love um so banner why don't you do your number 78 and 77 and that should put you at a pretty good You'll be the furthest so far, but not by much. So it's gonna be a good spot for us to get to. I uh, all right, number seventy-eight, uh, another animated film. Uh, in doing this list, I realize I love cartoons. It's not I mean, love, you know. Yeah, it's they're they're fucking great. But uh, Kung Fu Panda, the first one, it's it's really underrated, guys. It is. I think out of all of the uh, DreamWorks animation, this is one of the strongest ones, and they've produced Shrek, uh, the How to Train Your Dragons. Like, they've got some heavy hitters in there. And I, I think Kung Fu Fan is better than all of those, personally. Um, Man, love Shrek, me a good, so good I, misfit to hero story. The only reason I might like Shrek more is there's so much adult humor in it. I could see that. But I do think Kung Fu Panda is more of a four-quadrant movie. And the voice cast in Kung Fu Panda. I was just about to say, the voice cast is absolutely fucking incredible in this. Seth Rogen is Mantis. Dustin Hoffman, of course, is Master Shifu. And I think for the first time, because this was 2008 when this came out, did I see an animated character and think like, 
Okay, they I think they cast the voice actor first and then designed the character after him. A hundred percent, yeah. And if I'm not wrong, this is where we got the word skadoosh, right? I believe so, yes. <laughs> it's just a I it's a it's just a good story. It's well animated. Again, the voice cast is great. It's it's just fun. Now, has has your daughter seen this yet? Because if I remember right, the villain's pretty scary in this. Yeah, I don't think we've watched this one yet. She's pretty locked into like Disney princesses and shit right now. Okay, so she's not. She's slowly starting to venture out. We actually are uh, for Friday night movie night this week. We're gonna watch Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, nice. Have you seen it yet? I have not, so I'm excited. I really liked it. Jim Carrey is actually surprisingly funny in it. Okay, good. He, He brings it back. Okay, good. Um, that he he was like the real uh, outlier. Like, what Jim Carrey are we gonna get? Right. But back to Kung Fu Panda. I I don't know if I've even seen the sequels, but I do remember vividly. This is one I saw in theaters as a college student, and I remember thinking, yeah, even though this is not meant for me, this is still fucking hilarious. Yeah, it's just it's just good old fashioned fun. Like, just the scenes of Poe training are pretty hilarious. Yeah, it and again, you just have this, like, bumbling idiot that just has to believe in himself to become the hero. It's just, just, it just, just makes like, you feel good inside. And he just wants to be good at kung fu so badly. Yeah. You're like, I get it, bro. I'm with you. So, 78, Kung Fu Panda. Nice. And what's your number 77 movie of all time? 77 Gary on the bass drum come come the breakup uh this is just again it just makes I just like stories that still have a happy ending but they're not like the traditional happy ending it's it's realistic it's so realistic like look in the moment this seems absolutely terrible and I don't want to go through this and then it ends horribly but then like you come out okay, they come out okay, and at the end of the day, like, everybody's everybody's okay. Yeah. Everybody's happy. I'm going to really have to hold my tongue because this is on my list. I won't say where. Ooh. Okay, um, good. But it's a movie that has influenced me in a lot of ways, and comedically, I think it is, I'll just say, utter genius. Yeah. It. It's, again, it's just... Things get ugly, but at the end of the day, you know they're gonna you know everything's gonna be okay. And I yeah. think that's something that's like good to remind yourself of and to to uh, you're they're not really making light of a breakup. Like I don't I don't know how many people obviously everybody's been through a breakup, but like they're never they're never easy. They're never fun. Right. I mean and really they, the whole point of the movie is that like both of these people and Jennifer and, and Gary and um, Brooke, they're going through like one of the worst moments of their life. And it's turning them into like a, a version of themselves that they kind of hate. Sure. Yeah. And then you see that moment at the end, that kind of like awkward moment, like, Hey, how are you? You look great. Like, yeah, we both, we both landed on our feet. And at the end mm-hmm. of the day, this was what was best. Right. And they didn't end up together. I love that they didn't end up together. 
Yeah, at the time it was like hard when I first saw it. it and again, I'm trying not to say too much because I have a lot to say about this when I get to it on my list. But at the time I was like, what the fuck? They don't end up together. And then you kind of realize like maybe a couple weeks or months or maybe even a year later, like that's real life, man. Yeah. Yeah. Just because something didn't work out the way you thought it would at the time doesn't mean that it didn't work out, you know? It just, again, I it just, it hits home in such a good way. Like, everybody goes through this. Yeah. I don't know. I just, and Cole Hauser, our Carter Verone from Too Fast, Too Furious as Lupus, creepy brother. <laughs> Carter Verone's <laughs> not in an... Or, uh, Cole Hauser's not in enough stuff, man. He's not. He's he's very underutilized. Like, why the fuck is Fast and Furious not brought him back? I don't know. You think they've even made the call? Because there's no way he'd turn that down, right? No. No, they can't. No, it's fucking Mark Sinclair. He's not going to make that call. He's too fucking <laughs> proud for that. He can't have somebody that's clearly better than him in the same movie. That's true, which is why it's weird that he keeps trying to get The Rock to come back and emotionally blackmailing him. It's exhausting. Yeah. Good shit, man. The breakup at number 77. All right, Brian, before we let the people go for episode 174, any closing thoughts, any advice? Just... Continue to pull over for those emergency vehicles, guys. Uh, we we recently had a pretty bad snow ice storm come through. I was still out on the road, still had to go go to work, and uh, I saw a lot of emergency vehicles. Everybody was pulled over. Good. I couldn't couldn't have been prouder. Very good to hear. Yeah, it's it's sad that we have to make that announcement every week. Um, I'll just echo it with some other, you know, advice that I'm I'm trying to give you to make your life better. Uh, and that's don't uh, do anything crazy when you're getting your hair cut. Just make, let's make smart decisions. Not the time to uh, go outside the box. Put it that way. Okay. It's not permanent, but we're looking at probably two to three weeks of you having to look yourself in the mirror literally every day and say, what I do? Why did I do that? I've had one haircut since we've started this podcast. Interesting. Yeah, you've been uh, you've been rocking the, yeah. the long mane. Yeah, it was short when we started, and it went long, and then I I chopped it all off, and getting pretty long again. Right now, it's long. It has a lot of body too, which is it always has a lot of body. It it's whatever kind of it's kind of annoying at times. Oh, Garnier Furtis, it's amazing. I was gonna say whatever product you're putting in it, it's definitely it's it's doing yeah. it right. You know. Yeah, I don't I don't care like. I have the best smelling hair at work, and I'm not even ashamed of it. And I, you know because you've smelled everyone else's hair. I mean, like, okay, so? No, I'm not. I mean, if you're biased, it's fine, but you're, you don't know unless you smelled. So Jesus said that. All right, for the mad scientist, Brian Banner, I'm the mayor, Jeff Hornacek, and we are the Bro4 Squad Podcast. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. Subscribe to us on Twitter at Bro. Sorry, follow us on Twitter at Bro4 Squad. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, iHeartRadio, anywhere you can find podcasts. If you type in Bro Force Squad as three separate words and the aforementioned squad blog, our top 100 movie list of all time, and everything we have posted recently and really kind of ever in the history of our five plus years, 
can be found at our website, bro4squad.com. Till next time, we'll see you at the movies, especially if you're going to see Death on the Nile on Saturday at AMC at 1 o'clock, because that's where I'll be. I kind of.